Welcome to the Farm Bits Podcast, a product of Nebraska Extension Digital Agriculture. I'm Jackson Stansel. And I'm Samantha Teton. And we come to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews and panels with experts, producers, and innovators from all sectors of digital technology, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Welcome back to the Farm Bits Podcast for this third episode in our planting series. As you listen to our planting series, please take the time to fill out the survey link in our show notes to provide feedback on the content and format of the Farm Bits podcast. In the first episode of this series, Don Beatty offered a perspective on planting operations and technology. And in the second episode, we discussed multi-hybrid planting and the theory behind seeding prescription generation with Rachel Stevens. In this episode, we want to highlight a commercially available platform that offers seeding prescriptions, hybrid recommendations, and data aggregation technology. Our guests for this episode are Matt Lau and Morrison Jacobs of the Climate Corporation. Matt is a global product manager for Climate Scripting Division and Morrison is Climate's corn modeling lead. Together, Matt and Morrison provide a comprehensive perspective of Climate's offerings, particularly for seeding prescriptions and hybrid selection technologies. In this episode, we discuss the methods behind climate seeding prescriptions, how climate is leveraging their relationship with Bayer to enable smarter hybrid recommendations through aggregated data, and what technology they are looking forward to bringing to the table to address farmers' challenges in the future. This episode offers a detailed look at a popular commercial platform used on many farms today. So let's get started with this interview with Matt and Morrison. I'm Morrison Jacobs. Um, I'm part of the science organization within climate where I lead corn modeling. Um, So these are the teams of people that are actually building the predictive agronomic models that show up as digital recommendations with inside of FieldView. I I like to think of the work that we're doing today in climate as very similar to Moneyball did for baseball. Um, Instead of finding the optimal roster of players, we're trying to find the optimal portfolio of products for a grower's operation. Um, Instead of placing those players into the ideal positions, we think about that as distribution of seed within a field, um, where they were looking at analytics on how to manage a a player's um, plate appearance, as an example. We try to do the exact same thing, except that we're thinking about it from um, the terms of management recommendations on things like crop protection decisions. I'm Matt Lau. I am the product manager for our FieldView seed scripting services. So I work with our science teams, uh, in particular Morrison's corn modeling team and many other teams all around the world in all of our regions that we have our science products enabled. And I take the discovery that the science uh, group makes and put that into a product that users such as dealers and growers are able to uh, use to, to execute. In particular, FieldVC scripts is my focus, which is our advanced scripting tool that takes some uh, recommend takes the corn information that we have that Morrison's team uh, generates and makes it usable for our, our growers. So, for anybody who's who's unfamiliar with the Climate Corporation and what exactly the platform is, would you mind going into kind of an overview of the objectives and features of the platform, uh, and just kind of tell us about how growers are using it this time of year? The Climate Corporation is a data science company at its heart, and it is the digital farming arm of Bayer Crop Science. 
uh, our product is FieldView. So you'll hear us say climate and climate corporation is FieldView. FieldView is the product uh, that the climate corporation uh, has, which is on more than 150 million subscribed acres worldwide, which is uh, about 20 countries worldwide. Uh, some of our, our, our mission is to make farming easier. So uh, make the connection between trusted advisors, the retail network, uh, easier with their customers, their growers, and bring them digital tools that allows them to use their data to drive better decisions. Um, some features this time of year. So there, there's several. So uh, we're still in the winter. So it feels like uh, in St. Louis, it's 72 here. So not much longer in the winter. Mm -hmm. But um, analysis of the previous season is, is still being done in some areas. So taking a look at uh, what happened last year. But more importantly, for scripting as a whole and planning, it's an extremely important time of year for planning and creating those scripts with your, with your growers and your retailers. Uh, but something we also are working really hard to, to do right now is get the FieldView cab, which is our data collection tool, get those accounts set up, get the hybrids into the platform, get growers ready to uh, go out there and, and do some application, do some planting, some fertilizing, uh, get everything ready so when it gets to the field, they're not having to spend time worrying about uh, typing things incorrectly, where they can do it when they have some time in the office in the winter. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it's our understanding that you guys, you know, really take farmer um, ideas and their thoughts into the design of your product. We know that from the growers that we work with. So can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you are hearing from producers and how is climate and the product field view working to overcome some of those challenges? Yeah, I'll start and I'll talk about some of the challenges that I know of, uh, and then we'll have Morrison talk about several things that he's heard. Um, but a big part of uh, problems growers have is, is they create a plan and more often than not that plan gets disrupted by weather or by some event. And in many instances, they may not have a plan B or a plan C. Um, some of the biggest challenges that, that we hear are uh, helping growers provide or, or create better plans. And, um, and then also around seed placement, allowing them to uh, have more flexible hybrids in case those plans change, where they're not able to execute the best option. Uh, they have a more flexible second choice that they can use in those fields. Um, and then, in particular to where I work or what I, what I focus on with a few of you seed scripts, um, give them better opportunities to create backup scripts. So when we create a field view seed scripts, it's very particular to a hybrid. We have the growers select a hybrid uh, because we understand how that hybrid interacts with population. Um, but it takes some time to create one script with one hybrid. And if we gave them a option to create multiple scripts at once uh, to increase the amount of fields they can do at one single time, such as batching, it'll give them options to have those backup prescriptions ready for them. Not all farmers are the same um, and certainly yeah. don't want to be treated the same uh, is yeah. the one that just resonates for me a lot. Because, you know, as there's lots of decisions, those decisions are generally unique based off of circumstances. And so, you know, if I have to translate it based off of essentially what Matt just said, it's really around having flexibility. Um, and being able to understand the impact that a decision is going to make. And, and so Matt highlighted one, you know, just around scripting. I also like to think around the economics that are built into that, um, that growers like to model 
um, the impacts of different seed costs, grain sell prices, yield and seeding rates, and what that impact is gonna have on their decision. Um, the other one that's actually coming up more recently um, and even louder is just uh, the concept of sustainability. Um, you know, I, I like to think of sustainability, it's interesting. It, it's like fresh baked apple pie, right? It smells great to everyone and everyone wants a slice, <laughs> um, but it can be very overwhelming on, you know, really where to start and, and what kind of options do they have and how do they take advantage of what's out there um, from sustainability practices? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, you know, you've kind of mentioned that farmers like to be treated differently at the very least, and a lot of farmers are different. But at the same time, we know that there are a lot of factors that kind of go into what influences the growth of, of a plant and the growth of a crop overall. So when you go into make seeding prescriptions, particularly from the climate perspective, what are some of the critical data layers that are the same across a multitude of operations for those decisions? So within FieldView, we have several scripting options. So I spoke to FieldView Seed Scripts previously, which is our, our premium, our advanced option. We also have what we call manual scripting. And this manual scripting is, um, it's a very simple process that we give growers the options to um, use several predefined sets of zones, which could be servo zone layers, or uh, if they have a previous set of zones that a trusted advisor created for them, they could import those in as well and use those. And that manual, um, that manual scripting uses uh, whatever zones they provide, but then gives them the flexibility to use whichever hybrid they want and assign whatever rate they would like to that hybrid. Um, so it's really a blank slate that we provide a little bit of the hard uh, work. We, we do a little bit of the hard work for them and let them make all the decisions themselves. And then when you look at Fieldview Seed Scripts, there's some critical data layers that are involved there where we are actually taking their data that they have in their Fieldview account and, um, and generating zones automatically for them. So critical data layers that are included in Fieldview Seed Scripts are their yield layers. So uh, including their previous crop history yield layers is extremely important. Um, but then also imagery layers. So our field health advisor tool, which is our satellite imagery tool, is also a method that we can use to generate zones for field seed scripts if, uh, if yield layers are not, as, are not available. And um, looking at both of those options, we then take the best option, the one that expresses the most variability within the field, and provide that as their base set of zones. Um, so yeah, accurate yield layers and field health layers. So within that, um, within that process, we also give the growers the option to deselect layers. So if a grower did a trial in one field where they might have uh, sprayed part of the field with a fungicide, or they might've had two very different hybrids and one um, had an issue with, with uh, lodging or, or green snap, and that yield layer was not accurate, uh, we give them the ability to deselect those layers. So knowing those critical years that something might have uh, impacted their crop and having them remove those layers, those are all critical components. Yep. Absolutely. That's interesting. A deselection aspect, I think, is actually really important. I mean, coming from the research angle ourselves, I mean, and dealing with management zones, that's certainly something that, that we have to take into account. So that's, and it's not easy to do. So it's great that you're taking care of that for growers and allowing them to do that. So thinking about hybrids now, uh, 
Typically, you know, a grower will work with their sales rep or a consultant and decide what hybrid should be placed on their field. But you guys are collecting a lot of data. And how are you leveraging that data to maybe make even more informed decisions on where hybrid should be placed on a farm? Oh, I love that question. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll jump into this. Um, I guess first thing to note is, um, you know, our, our ability to do hybrid selection or, or placement is, is still a pilot um, and, and ever expanding. Um, that being said, I also know that, you know, one of our competitive advantages um, within climate is our ability to leverage the combination of data that we get from farmers, as well as our data that we get from bear R&D. Um, a large percentage of growers today um, run trials on their farms every year. Um, now, um, these types of split planted or split field trials um, that compare products allow us to add millions and millions of data points around product performance every year. Um, and it really does span, you know, key growing areas uh, and covering a variety of different management factors. Um, the flip side of that then is we've got this connection back to bear R&D that allows us to pull in more than 10 years of historical performance from breeding and market development trials. Um, interestingly enough, both of these organizations have actually undergone their own digital transformations over the last number of years. So we've now got digital phenotyping or characterization of product performance within those networks where they're leveraging drones to collect new types of data. Um, but it, it is kind of um, um, on the forefront uh, of a lot of the research that they do. At the same time, it's interesting that the largest field testing location in the world is actually now at a bear R&D facility inside of Chesterfield, Missouri, mm -hmm. uh, where they essentially fingerprint um, every one of the products the same way you would for 23andMe. We do it for all of our products. And so now being able to connect all that digital phenotyping data with now that molecular data and being able to connect it up with all the multiple types of environment data like weather and soils, it's really just an example of how this combined um, set of insights um, give us an understanding or predictive performance around new products as well as our current products. It's actually more difficult than you would expect to be able to connect that entire stream of data um, from what's happening in the growers field and all the way backwards um, and try and do it across multiple years. Here's the one thing that I absolutely love about it, though, is that, you know, as we're aggregating data um, from grower fields to really understand how they're planting products, how they're trying to manage them to optimize yield, we were able to help our R&D our colleagues understand um, what shifts maybe they had to make in how they were testing products. Mm -hmm. um, and when you think about, you know, we talk about the national average of corn being 175 <laughs> bushels. It's an average. Well, yeah. well, guess what? There's people at both extremes. And, and you know, when you're trying to build and test um, products from the start, we always lean to the middle and, and try and think of the average. And so what we were able to do, because now we can summarize data from FieldView in a different way, is provide guidance on, well, you know what? Growers in Nebraska is an example. Here's, here's the seeding rate ranges that they're actually planting your product at. Uh, and, and, and actually shifting the design field research that sits underneath it to match that, yeah. to understand, is it really performing the way we expect it? Um, and so, you know, one of the things I can point to directly is, you know, we've actually shifted trials in Nebraska so that we can test under irrigated and non-irrigated yeah. conditions, really variable mm. rate. 
and understanding how products perform differently, how seeding rates perform differently. So we can pull that information into models now and give a better recommendation to growers in that area. So, so you've mentioned that you're getting, you know, at least a set of this data points from the on-farm research trials that farmers are running out there in their own fields. Does FieldView offer the opportunity to, I, I guess, kind of facilitate creating those rate block prescriptions and, and validating the accuracy of those seeding prescriptions, you know, kind of in return for that data that is coming from farmers' fields? So uh, there is a little bit of, um, there's a couple different parts to that. So when, when we're doing some research trials where we are looking at those seeding rates, we may not be using... Um, we may be using other tools, but when growers are using FieldView, they have the option to easily place those trial blocks uh, into their prescription, whether it is a, a rectangle or a square, uh, they have that ability to easily place that block within an area of the field, assign a different rate to it. Uh, for instance, if they believe the rate should be higher or the rate should be lower, they can assign a different rate to it and uh, carry that on through planting and then on through harvest and then use tools like our field region report, which is a, uh, a tool that can be used on a subfield level. So you, you essentially have the ability to draw an area of a field and analyze the yield within that subsection of the field. Now, what that means for testing prescriptions and testing trial areas of the field, it gives you that option to uh, draw where the script, draw an area right next to that trial area where the script recommended one rate and then draw another field region port alongside it or, or within that trial area that the grower placed and have them measure the yield in that area. And it gives them a, a yield as, or a yield in, in both of those and they can make those decisions on their own. I think Matt sure. just did a really nice way of how we can assess trials today. Um, I, I do want to call out that we're actually in the process of making it even easier to run robust on-farm experiments. Um, so there's enhancements to what Matt just described that we're working on that will make it actually simpler to set up, execute, and analyze trial results. Um, we, we really hope that you know, those types of enhancements will really provide a deeper understanding of the management decisions um, that growers are actually running and that they want to optimize themselves. So, so stay tuned for that because I think that's going to be a really exciting change. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is exciting that you guys are really incorporating that, but that can also come with some challenges, right? If you're aggregating a lot of data from these growers, we've heard from some other podcast yeah. interviews that a challenge is that farmers will just want to put in nitrogen instead of saying what the actual nitrogen source was, or they maybe just say corn, they don't say the hybrid. How are you able to clean all that to make accurate, aggregated data? That one's kind of an interesting one. Um, you know, it, as I mentioned, you know, climate, we're, we're at the benefit of having millions and millions of acres of data points. Yeah. And so the interesting thing is you start pulling some of these trials together because we can aggregate data over millions of data points. Um, some of what you just described, the noise, um, mm -hmm. actually gets washed out. Um, it certainly will translate into the accuracy um, of a recommendation we can make. And so we, we've actually got teams of folks that actually focus purely just on data quality. Um, in mm. fact, we, we've separated them out into, you know, how do we collect machine data um, and understand the accuracy of that machine data as it's coming in, whether it's um, understanding the performance of a yield monitor, 
um, understanding when things are are or not calibrated, um, or understanding when we, we did, may not have accuracy in like you just gave an example of maybe um, a product name, mm -hmm. um, and, and how we'd need to aggregate the different the data differently as a result um, of the quality of the data that's coming in. And what other challenges exist about the current data that we have when you talked about earlier how Sergo is really common, but that's a high resolution. I mean, it's not, it's at an upper level type thing versus, you know, sensors would be a lot, you know, lower or higher resolution. And so how would some of those things, the frequency at which it's coming in, you know, how does that really change the recommendations? A lot, depending on what <laughs> they are actually. Um, behind the scenes from a modeling um, and analytics perspective, there's, there's mechanisms for us to merge those different types of data sets at different resolutions, um, which, which is, again, um, as we start moving into this day of um, artificial intelligence, you know, some of the new machine learning methods um, allow a lot of this um, to happen much easier today than it did just a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it kind of depends on the data layer you're talking about, because uh, there's a variety of different resolutions, right? Look, look your great example there, Sergo. Um, Sergo comes at an interesting resolution, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of the Sergo data is relatively historical and old and still being updated every year mm -hmm. um, compared to a grower soil sample. And I think Matt touched on this earlier. That's, that's actually one of the valuable pieces within inside of FieldView, allowing growers to upload um, their own soil test information. And then if they need to actually create zones or scripts based off of that information relative um, to, to Sergo. Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting. And I think that's something that we've seen and certainly as, as far as data quality goes. But I'm also interested in kind of digging in a little bit more on the kind of the data streams that you have coming together, right? So, so you have weather data that you said that you're kind of bringing in in a lot of different ways. You've got imagery data that's coming in. You have mo mobile machinery data. How much of an advantage is it all the APIs that you've you've put together uh, to be able to synthesize all these different data layers? I mean, we even saw that one of our former guests, uh, Corey Wilness and SWAT Maps, is now kind of an API partner that's, I guess, like a management zone input. So I, I would just love for you to expand on your API integrations a little bit. The APIs are extremely critical for managing those relationships between uh, the trusted advisors, the growers, all of the OEMs, and within climate. So um, we are all trying to make farming easier and make better decisions and provide growers with a more useful tool to uh, do their job at the end of the day. And uh, we have a significant amount of APIs, and many of them are tailored to all different um, types of operations and, and things growers want to execute on, whether it is, like you said, zone management or uh, an imagery provider or just uh, an OEM that is sharing data um, with growers permission back to FieldView to have in their account. So it's uh, APIs are extremely important now and they're going to be even more important as we move into uh, more digital opportunities and provide growers the ability to uh, to stay more connected. Yeah, I think maybe just laddering off of that, it'd just be around compatibility, right? The, the more that we have enhanced um, compatibility across um, every type of equipment, whether it's the as-applied equipment, planters, harvesting equipment, um, the better the data that we can assemble. So the more that we build out um, our compatibility, 
um, across the entire end-to-end -end decision cycle that growers have, yeah. uh, the better we're going to have recommendations in the future. How does like the climate cab view and some of that work with different types of tractors? Um, how does the movement of prescriptions or even that data back to you all work with different setups, different companies? How do you get past some of that? Um, there's a lot to it. So there, um, we'll start with the what I know best in, in prescriptions and how transferring prescriptions um, works with within FieldView and the CAB app, and then how prescriptions uh, in general has worked in the past. And um, for prescription execution, the final mile has always been the biggest challenge. That that mile from the the office to the actual cab of the tractor and when the tractor's in the shop next to the office it's much shorter mile and it's usually not as hard but if they have an operation that's 40 miles away from a field of 40 miles away from the office it's a much bigger challenge to get that data moved around so we have several avenues of um, working with growers and and the most common is with our partnership with Precision Planting and their 2020 monitors. So the FieldView Cab app is our data collection tool. It's our, it's our iPad app that um, connects to a Precision Planting 2020 or the FieldView Drive as, as we own that component. And for the 2020, we have the ability to uh, send prescriptions down to the, the display itself. And so the wireless connectivity, the cellular connectivity, of the iPad transfers that prescription um, from the computer to the iPad and then through the cable to the 2020 that's transferred. So it's an excellent opportunity to uh, easily move those prescriptions around. And if for some reason something might change last minute, it'll take 15 minutes to make a prescription change and then have that updated onto the CAB app, which then goes to the 2020. Uh, we also work closely with several API partners and um, we're always we're always growing that as well to uh, integrate into other OEMs platforms where we can uh, send prescriptions to and they if they're part of that platform they can wirelessly transmit to their OEM displays in the cab. Um, the other half of that question I believe was data collection. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I touched on the FieldView Drive. Um, I spoke about the, the Precision Planning 2020 and. Um, essentially what all of the, what these tools are is a catalyst to get the equipment uh, data. So the planting, the application, the harvest data uh, from the machine itself onto the iPad, which can, which is then connected to the cloud, whether through cellular or Wi-Fi connection, um, which then brings the data up to the growers field view account, the growers climate account. And from there they can, um, they can look at that data. They can, uh, get reports on yield and, and performance. They can do field region reports. Um, they can do many, many things with that. Uh, we also use what we call the data inbox, which is a method that we take the data off the machine, whether it's a USB or we, uh, we have API partners, and we uh, move that data in through our data inbox, which allows them to um, get that data that isn't compatible with the drive or the cab app gets get that data into their account so they can have all of those layers available to them and uh, be able to make the best decisions possible awesome so it sounds like you kind of have a lot of the data transfer 
piece, I mean, figure it out. And I, from my understanding, that's what a lot of farmers really love about field view is the ability to aggregate that data so easily and, and have it be essentially either the touch of a button or even, you know, no touch, no touch of a button at all. And so I think that side of things is great. But with you bringing up that precision planting aspect, um, you know, we're going to have precision planting on in this series uh, and, and to kind of talk about new planter technologies. And so one thing that I'm curious about is as you're building these seeding prescriptions, how are you kind of adapting to the new planter capabilities, whether that be multi-hybrid or the ability to adjust uh, seeding rates on the go using smart firmers and things like that that some of the, the planter companies are coming out with right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And so um, the new technologies from, from precision planting, the smart firm technology is fantastic and is a new uh, take on, on looking at what's underneath the soil without having to do soil tests. I'm really excited about seeing that and how we can start integrating some of that data. And, and like we talked about before, um, all of that requires testing and um, assessing within our group, how do we fit that into our models to make those zone recommendations? Um, and that's something we're working on. It's something that we are, um, we're looking at how we can integrate those layers that growers may have into the model. Uh, and that'll be future years down the road. Uh, in the more short term, we are also allowing, or we are looking at the opportunity to allow growers to take those layers and use those layers to manage um, their variability by, by use, making zones off those layers for a manual script. So they can use that for um, fertility or, or crop protection or whatever they'd like to do. So we're still developing the tools once that uh, once we have a more robust set of data from those technologies. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I'm, and I'm glad that you're saying that you need to test it first before just, you know, taking the smart firmers at their words, because that's that's one of the huge risks. Right. Is you have a lot of real time data coming in. that's not calibrated, uh, per se, and potentially being used to, to make decisions and. I guess Morrison, maybe you can speak to that a little bit coming from the modeling side. That's a that's a huge challenge of using real-time data, right? It is. Um, real-time data, you know, when you think about it, the application really means dynamic scripting, scripting <laughs> on the fly, mm -hmm. right? And so just uh, think about decisions that you would have to make as the planter is moving along at speed um, and being able to have all the equipment talk to each other um, is actually... You know, from an IoT perspective, when people talk about it, it is it is a little bit of next generation, yeah. right? You know, you're taking information, especially just think of where um, a firmer is placed on the equipment. It's already in furrow at the back, yeah. right? And, and so by the time it would have to connect back up to a seed meter to change something to a script, right? You, you've, yeah. you've actually got a little bit of a disconnect, right? So you're making a decision in, in the past, right. uh, not for the yeah. future. And so there's actually going to have to probably be a little bit of a leap in terms of some shifts in how we actually think about the equipment itself. Um, I think some of the things I'm actually a little bit more excited about as well are um, some of the robotic planters um, that are starting to show up on the scene um, that um, are not um, having to plant at speed, right? They're, they're almost planting themselves um, yeah. and they can go a little bit slower, mm -hmm. right? And so actually probably um, is maybe a, a step of where we might get to in the future. Um, but I, I think it's a great call out. You're right, there's there's new data coming in all the time. I think yeah. that's what we all need to be aware of. 
Um, and it's now just how valuable is that data and how does that data apply uh, to the decisions we want to make. Where this is going in the future, um, you know, coming from an ag background, um, we've had the green revolution. Um, we can point to the benefits that it's had. We are absolutely in the digital revolution right now uh, for agriculture. I, I see farmers able to get hundreds and hundreds of bushels an acre corn higher than the national corn average inside of NCGA yield contests. I think for me, that actually just highlights how much more yield variability there actually is within a field that we're not taking advantage of today. Um, so, so more than anything, I, I see farmers using these digital tools to test the performance of those inputs and identify ways to optimize their management practices. I think it's going to totally change how we capture data, um, how fast we capture data, the types of data we're going to capture. Just think of all the money that's being invested in ag today from all the startups. There's billions and billions of dollars. Um, I think, as Matt talked about the API, you asked about API structure. The more that we're pulling in all that information from all those other folks into our recommendations, it's going to become more and more critical. Um, so where I see things probably shifting more is the digital recommendations coming together as a tailored offering. Right, combining that hybrid, the seeding rate, the management and crop protection from a variety of different perspectives. Um, I think the other thing we didn't touch on actually, um, that we didn't mention earlier is this shift in desire for new programs like outcome-based performance that really help farmers um, make their seed and chemistry choices with confidence. So it, it's more um, than just providing a data-driven recommendation. It's also around how we clearly and transparently demonstrate that value of the products to customers um, and, and actually ensure that that performance is delivered. I think that's the next connection that you're going to start seeing more and more of. And how exactly do you do that? I mean, it's, it's really hard to to very clearly demonstrate value. I mean, especially in a variable rate situation where you don't necessarily have a baseline at that particular location where you've implemented. I mean, how, how are you able to demonstrate value and ROI of a product? Yeah, a, a lot of that is gonna touch on, you know, what we brought up earlier around just getting the right experiments put in place. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think having, um, as we talked about earlier, that easy way to design an experiment and execute it on a field and then analyze it in um, what I would call a statistically relevant way. Yeah. Um, that's the piece that unlocks it, right? Having yeah. the right control. If you're running an experiment, it's all about getting the right control into the field and then being able to manage it or measure the effect. Yeah. Um, and so that, again, that's one of the things I'm super excited about where climate field view is going because it's gonna have that component to make it easier for growers. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Mm -hmm. Can you expand a little bit on the future of where climate is going? I, you've mentioned the sustainability, and I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe how that's going to be incorporated into uh, climate's products, but any other things that you would like to touch on of where you guys are going? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to some of the sustainability, and uh, Morrison spoke on the outcome-based performance. Mm -hmm. But um, the sustainability is a very key uh, focus for Bayer and climate right now with the carbon markets and 
and everything that is evolving in that aspect. So um, we do have a program or Bayer has a program that they are um, testing this year where it encourages farmers to adopt new sustainable practices. And uh, it's, a, it's an extremely um, easy program to, to execute on. Um, there's just a couple in this first year, there's a couple of sustainable practices that we're um, asking growers to adopt for a, uh, for a reward, a, a payment back on them adopting that. And um, that's a really big part of where we need to start shifting our resources is um, how do we do more uh, with less or how to do more with what we have and how do we leave the field in a better position every year after harvest than when we got it mm -hmm. before. And how can our listeners learn more about the Climate Corporation? It sounds like you guys are on lots of acres, many people probably know, but if they are interested in potentially adopting it or like I said, learning about some of these future technologies, where can they go to learn more? Yeah, so there's several different avenues there. Uh, Climate.com is our website. We have a lot of information there. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's the Climate Corporation. And there's hundreds of videos. Uh, we have many webinars on there that were recorded from previous seasons. We have the, the quick couple of minute tutorials. Um, we have many customer testimonials on there as well. Uh, we also have a great podcast. So right after everybody subscribes to the Farm Bits podcast, we <laughs> encourage them to subscribe to the podcast called Around the Farm. Uh, that is our, our podcast that um, we've been doing for a couple of years now. And uh, they, they touch on many different uh, topics. Seed Scripts has been part of that. Um, Carbon and, and other programs have been part of that as well. And uh, it's, a, it's a great podcast. It's only 20, 30 minutes long and um, growers can, can listen to that and um, get some great information about what's going on. But then also talk to your trusted advisor uh, who's a FieldView dealer and uh, they would be able to help you with many things. And then even one step further, there's always support. So we have support at climate.com or support.climate.com. And then we, we have the support at climate.com email that you can reach out to our support team. Um, there's a phone number, there's a live chat. There's many resources out there that can provide support for any question you have. Just reach out and someone is very willing to help. Our, our support team uh, is, <laughs> those folks are just absolutely incredible. Uh, I, they, they will bend over backwards to help growers. Um, any way that they can um, to get their data in, get their equipment up and running. Um, I always hear um, comments, you know, around either dealers or someone from um, climate heading out to someone's field to help calibrate some equipment because they just got something new and they want to make sure it was going to work right. Um, yeah, we, we really will go and, and make sure because it, it's important to all of us, right? Um, better data mm -hmm. is good for everyone. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. We'll make sure to, to link as many of those as we can in our show notes. And uh, we'll, we'll try to do some uh, publicity for the Around the Farm podcast uh, with our listeners out on our, our social media feeds. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So we, we like to end every episode on one piece of advice from our guests. Um, and so I, I'd love for each of you to offer a piece of advice that you have for our listeners who are exploring, uh, you know, really trying to put the right rate and the right hybrid in their fields and being more sustainable in their farm operations. Try Philview Seed Scripts, experiment with the technology, um, run the trials. And if you uh, don't agree with maybe some of the uh, recommendations, put a trial area in there. 
test it with yourself and um, but start with what you're comfortable with. The hardest part is getting started and going from there is usually easier. So uh, get started, try working towards a, uh, a more precise solution on your operation and, uh, and you can use technology to do that. If you are a first time user of variable rate technology of any kind, um, assess your situation for your equipment first. It's important to have that partnership with your equipment dealer and, um, and then also your field representative. But if you're going to be trying uh, variable rate scripts, whether it is fertility or, or seed or crop protection, assess your equipment's capabilities and identify uh, whether or not you have the right unlocks on display. Many manufacturers have certain unlocks that are required to be able to execute uh, different things that the display can do. So uh, ensure if you are doing this for the first time, ensure you have the right unlocks on your display um, and then uh, just get started. I, I, I will echo what Matt just said. I, I love that answer. Um, I'll, I'll just ladder off it and say, pay attention to the data quality. Um, you know, running that proper experiment is making, you know, it's, it's good in, good out. Um, yeah. We talked about a couple of attributes of having a good experiment, but don't forget about your equipment. Calibrate yeah. your planters, calibrate your harvest equipment, calibrate, yeah. calibrate, calibrate. Um, if you really want to make a good data-driven decision, uh, making sure that everything is accurate helps you get there. It sets you free. Thank you for joining us on that episode of the FarmBits podcast. As Matt mentioned, be sure to also subscribe to the Climates podcast around the farm if you enjoyed our content here. My favorite part of this episode was hearing about the mutually beneficial relationship between Bayer and Climate with the, with the FieldView platform. So instead of just relying on plot-based research all of the time, they now have a, a very large database that can help inform decisions and make better products for their customers. Yeah, that, that is a huge advantage to kind of have the phenotyping, genotyping side of Bayer, and then also have all the field data that's coming out of the Climate Field View platform. Personally, I really enjoyed hearing about how Climate is already starting to explore integrating data from some of these new sensors that are on board today's planters to gain deeper insights into the fields that they're providing uh, their recommendations to. Uh, so if you think about like the smart firmers that are on precision plantings devices or, you know, any sensors that might be out there on other planters, um, the, these sensors are really enabling a lot more data from the field. Uh, and so the integrations that Climate is pursuing are really enabled by existing relationships and APIs that they already have with companies like Precision Planting through that data aggregation um, aspect of their platform. Um, and I, I just think it's really interesting that they're already looking to integrate that data into the recommendations that they're offering and even looking beyond what is available today to how that data may be used down the road with robotic planting technologies in the future as well. Yeah, the value of those APIs cannot be overstated. Absolutely. So with that, we hope you really enjoyed learning more about how the Climate Corporation can help make decisions at planting time, and we hope that you'll join us again next week for the next episode in our planting series. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. 
Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We'd like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to the members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect reviews of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bids.